0: What's up everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, oh yeah podcast.
1: You can't choose who you fall for, bro. Believe me, on the way here, I was dreaming of hooking up with a nice Mormon girl. Why don't you go after a Mormon John? I mean they're all over the place here. Besides, everyone knows they know how to treat their men right. They're like Catholic girls times a hundred. You think the night before a Mormon wedding, a guy says, how am I going to sleep with the same eight women for the rest of my life? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been married. Loving one girl right is tough enough. Loving eight would be impossible. Ah, Vince could do it. I don't know. What if I get divorced? Paying alimony would be a killer. Nah, Vince, because they don't get half. I mean, they only get an eighth. They get a ninth, you moron, or else Vince will get left with nothing. Good looking at E. Always saving me money. Welcome back, baby bros,
2: to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, Jr. Hickey, coming to you from Palm Springs, California. Before we dive back into the midway point of Season 5, I thought I'd take this back a little bit. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but in these last two years, my hiatus, if you will, I went back and I re-listened to a lot of old episodes of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, and I'm not happy with a few of them. Uh, one of the biggest ones being the Sundance Kids episode from Season 2, Episode 7 specifically. The desk I had on, uh, I did not know him before we started recording. He was a movie critic, and literally 30 seconds before we hit the record button, he was like, by the way, I fucking hate Entourage. And that was pretty evident uh, throughout the episode. And a lot of people gave me the feedback that he was a bad desk. A lot of people weren't happy with how the episode turned out, including myself. What sucked was at the time was I just had to keep barreling forward. The podcast was in its infancy. I had like a you know episode a week contract with Bro Bible that I had to hit, so I just kind of left it in the dust. But now that we're back, and now that I'm kind of trying to shake the rust off a little bit, I'm going to redo the Sundance Kids with you here today. I had my good friend Kyle Banduho on, the host of Bid Screen Sports, and from Phenom to the Farm. He's been tirelessly podcasting over the past three or four years. He's a pro, a good friend. I thought I could ease myself back in by doing this. Um, the episode turned out great. I am admittedly a little off. Like, I'm rambling a little bit, and I'm not as quick as I used to be. And I think just, you know, more at-bats over the next uh, six months will help me get better. But bear with me a little bit there, because I'm definitely not the Jr. Hickey of... 2020 in this uh podcast episode thank you to everyone who has reached out been so supportive of the pod coming back really appreciate it if you haven't please resubscribe to the podcast i am going to start doing special episodes like this every half season in between seasons obviously we're going to be back next week with season five episode five of entourage uh with tree trippers the joshua tree episode and i have something very special planned for that If you haven't yet, please follow the Oh Yeah Pod TikTok account. It's brand new. I've been posting old clips, clips from Entourage, clips from the podcast, some videos that I put together a couple years ago. The plan is to continue to do that throughout the remaining uh, run of the show it's a great place to revisit some of the old content that we've made here at oh yeah pod uh, as well as maybe see some stuff that you might have missed and don't forget to follow at oh pod on instagram and twitter as well i did mention this two weeks ago but if there is anyone out there who's interested in helping grow the TikTok and or youtube accounts please hit me up slide my dms i'm doing an okay job on my own but you know Any assistance would be appreciated. The only disclaimer is that I do need you to have some experience on both of those platforms. So shoot me a message, we'll talk. I'm happy to pay if the work is up to standards. Speaking of pay, I am doing this podcast for free. There is like an old Anchor ad that's running before the podcast, sorry that you guys have to sit through that. But I was thinking of doing something different now that the pod's back in terms of advertising. This pod gets a good amount of listens, a couple thousand from people all over the world. It's generally a male listening audience, if I'm being honest with you. And it's a you know roughly like an 18 to 34 age group. If you have a business that you want to advertise on this podcast, if you have some sort of side hustle or maybe it's even your full-time thing and you'd love to expose your business to the audience of oh yeah, oh yeah, shoot me a note. Um, I'm happy to do a read for you guys. I'm not going to ask for money, but it's just... I'm kind of doing a Theo Vaughn thing. If anyone listens to Theo Vaughn's podcast, I will happily do any ad read for any business of any listener of Oh Yeah Pod. Now, if you have a product that, like, you sell and you want to send me a sample so I can actually speak about that sample with some expertise and knowledge, go for it. I'm not doing this to free shit. I'm really just doing this to, like, elevate the listeners of Oh Yeah Pod. So... Shoot me a message there. We can talk about that in the DMs as well. At JR, we'll do it on Instagram and Twitter. I don't have too much more off the top here. Go listen to BidScreen Sports and From Phenom to the Farm. Kyle is doing a great job over there. Um, I'm really, really happy to be back, and I'm super excited about things to come. Enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you guys next Monday. All right, baby bros. We are back. Episode 7 of Season 2, The Sundance Kids, joining me. For the first time in a very long time, it's my good friend, the host of Bid Screen Sports, the podcast, the writer for Baseball America, Kyle
0: Banduho. Crash, how are we doing tonight? Vince is doing the movie, baby. I am so excited. I'm so glad you finally brought this back. It's only taken me and thousands of people needling you for two years. I'm very, very excited to be here. Honored to be here.
2: In all seriousness, I want to thank you because you have been a great sounding board for me the past three months or so I've been thinking about bringing this back. I needed a few things to fall in the line, but really I just needed encouragement. And you're like one of the most positive, encouraging people in a field that is nothing but like discouraging.
0: (laughs) The only good thing about you not doing the show the past two years, it meant that you had more free time, which meant whenever I was in a jam, I could count on you to come on the show.
2: And so that's, and that's what I did here. So I didn't want to just dive right back into like midway through season five, as if like, nothing happened. I think it would be weird if someone's discovering the pod for the first time or doing like a full listen through. Like, man, this guy's voice sounds like older and he's making much more like recent references in between these four and five episodes of season five. So we're doing Sundance kits. Um, I talked about it in the open, but wasn't super happy with uh, the first episode I did back in season two, the desk wasn't super enthusiastic about it. I needed to have someone enthusiastic on. I needed someone to, you know, welcome me back. And and that's you.
0: I mean, it's, it's a great episode to pick because I, for me, I mean, and not to dive right in, it's a top five Entourage episode. Yep. It gives us a lot of the things we loved about the show. Without a lot of the stuff that hasn't aged great either, it really even at the time it was a step ahead episode. But watching it when it, this aired t- seventeen years ago, yep, I believe, and, yeah, and it's it's still a really really strong episode. And frankly, the thing that doesn't age well at all is like. It, it makes sense that character stinks in this one, so it's like it's it's. Per, I mean, it, it's a really great episode, a great one to kind of kick back off on.
2: And I don't really want to focus too much on what didn't age well. To seventeen years is a long fucking time, and really, this podcast is a celebration of a show that that we love. And exactly. and to be honest, to your point, like the plot of this episode could still happen today. Like there are some you know, little intangibles that would change because of the uses of cell phones and stuff like that. But realistically, this is probably the most realistic of the entourage episodes. We'll get into that. So this is me shaking the rust off. You're essentially, we're in the bullpen and you're throwing me, no, you're throwing me batting practice right now, Kyle. I'm, I'm just like shaking off the Listen,
0: rust. I was great at throwing BP.
2: <laughs> thought, I thought you'd like
0: that sports reference.
2: All right, let's dive in. Um, the Sundance Kids, episode seven of season two, original air date, Sunday, July 17th, 2005. Here's a new question I'm asking everybody. Where were you roughly on this date, Kyle? Not like on July 17th, but summer of 2005. Where were you in your life?
0: So I had, uh, I, I turned 14 a few months <laughs> prior. <laughs> um, Big, I, 50 entre- day. Entourage was not yet in my life. I picked sure. up Entourage later in high school. But no, at, at 14, Entourage, not in my life, you know, was uh, was waiting on a growth spurt or some, some extra talent that was never going to come. <laughs> Just, you know, playing playing a lot of baseball, dreaming about being in the big leagues. That never happened. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I was, I essentially, I was just waiting for entourage to come into my life.
2: I was just about to say, so the growth spurt and the bid lead contract never came, but entourage did show up a few years later. En- entourage
0: but. did. And it was, it was important. It was a, it was a thing. Entourage bonded people, all like men of a certain age. We can still talk about this show. I mean, it's why you have this podcast, but like yeah. it's there. I, people who retrospectively look back and like talk shit about entourage, you're just you're just being bitter that either you missed out on a on a certain time because it was a big deal like guys love talking about Entourage yep. or or you're just like you're trying to you know you're you're trying to act like you weren't totally into it which isn't cool either
2: and I think there's a little bit of nostalgia and resentment that you can't capture that nostalgia anymore no show really does this anymore no show has this type of life yes we can talk literally ad nauseum. About the things that don't age very well. But like, what about the things that age great? There's a ton in this episode and I'm super excited to talk about it. So, oh, yeah, really quick for me. And I won't do this every week because I've realized this still going not always be the same period of time each season for me. But since this is the first episode back in a very long time. So, this was my summer going into the senior year of high school for young Jr. Hitty. I was waiting tables at a retirement home. And my entire identity... A hot, sexy clientele. Yeah, oh, it's absolutely. <laughs> I've always been into older women. asked my wife. Uh, my entire identity was wrapped around the sport I was playing. I was a high jumper, and I could jump extraordinarily high for a 17-year-old. I think I was 17 at this time. So I could dunk, and I just was like, I was like, I'm going to be a Olympic high jumper, and I'm going to be a Division One, you know, All-American. Spoiler alert: None of those happened either for for old Jr. And all he's left with is a bad back, bad hip. And I tell a bunch of people, I used to be able to jump so high, and they go, cool, man. <laughs> Prove it.
0: When you came to visit, like you definitely stretch and have to work out your back more than any of my other friends. It's, oh, yeah. You're, you're in pole position when it comes to that.
2: Absolutely. And I just started dating my whore of a girlfriend who later cheated on me <laughs> uh, at the end of high school. I always love to It's like an bring entourage plot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So some things that happened on this date in the world. I thought you'd appreciate this. The night before... July 16, 2005, golf legend Jack Nicklaus played his last professional game of golf at the 134th British Open at St. Andrews, Scotland, at the age of 65. During a span of more than 25 years, he won a record 18 majors, and as he lined up for a 15-foot putt on the 18th hole, the same green and the same tournament that he won in both 1970 and 1978, he drilled a birdie and received a near 10-minute standing ovation. He shot an even par 72 in his final competitive round, but
0: he missed the cut by two strokes. Guess who won on Sunday? Uh, the, the cat. Yeah, absolutely. The, the cat, it, it's guess what? It's at St. Andrews again this year. Let's see. And you know who's going to win this year. <laughs> the cat.
2: Time is a flat circle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholas famously being sued by his own company right now. His <laughs> own namesake company. Uh, fun stuff for, the, Poor for guy. the Golden Bear.
2: Yeah. Glad to, Glad to see that he's still kicking it, though.
0: That's true. That's a good point.
2: Quick recap of this week's episode of Entourage. The crew arrives at Sundance, eager to see the final cut of Queens Boulevard, and to convince James Tamron to cast Vince as his Aquaman. A chance encounter between Eric and a studio bidwidge leads to an offer for Vince that is a safe alternative to Aquaman. But Vince instead decides to take his chances and go for the superhero franchise. Although Tamron only sees about 10 minutes of Queens Boulevard, he decides to slot Vince in as his leading man. Also at the festival, Turtle and Drama, both romance, the same woman, leading to a very awkward moment. Kyle, I'm so glad to ask you this question after two years. What was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage?
0: It's it's a moment that really is a probably a top five Entourage moment. It's uh, It's Cameron offering Vince Aquaman at the top of the mountain, into one and no playing, into Vince offering 10 G's. Like, that's a. When the clip comes around on Instagram or Twitter, you always watch it. Oh, hey, what's up? Vinny, say hello to James Cameron. Call me Jim, Vince.
1: <clears throat> okay, Jim. Uh, what's, what's happening? I can only stay for a bit of the film. But I've gotta tell you, it was all I needed to see. How'd you like to come play Aquaman for me? Uh, sure. I mean, I. I can do that for you. Fantastic. Let's get together next week and talk about it. Okay, great. Okay, Vince, I'll see you then. Looking forward to it. Talk to you later, bye. Cameron just offered me Aquaman. hi <laughs> yes. ah! Yeah, baby. Good job, man. You gotta figure out a way to get you off this mountain. I'll need you breaking your neck before you even start this movie. Are you kidding? We just got Aquaman. I'm raising the stakes. 10 G's to the first guy who gets down there. 10 G's? I'll give you a head start, turtle. Oh! <laughs> Since they wanna know. Since they wanna know. Since they wanna know. Here's the formula.
0: And it's something that especially if you've been watching the show, it's been building to a moment like this. Vince is Vince is officially a star. Yep. Like star, star, and when when Aquaman hits, it it opens kind of a different a different level for Vince that you know he then parlay[s] into Medellin. but we open with him doing you know head on, and it's like there's momentum there. He does the indie art house flick, and this is kind of what two seasons have been building to is Vince becoming essentially a Mark Wahlberg, an A lister, and and getting into that getting into that stratosphere. So we as an, an entourage fanhood have been building to literally you know listen they 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 went heavy with the metaphor them being on the top of the mountain <laughs> when he gets that role but it's a great great moment it's the exact same moment that i have for favorite
2: moment from the episode but it also brought with it this weight of celebrity because up until that point we'd had some cameos you, know, you had the Walbird, you had some like nba outside kind of like outer circle stuff then james fucking cameron shows up on the scene and honestly. As we all know, Cameron, you know he's around for like three to five more episodes. But even if they had just gotten him for this moment, Kyle, it still would be an all-time entourage moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. What is he, what is he up to at that point? I wish I would have. I, is it Avatar? It's got to be Avatar. Like, yeah. So it's two that, thousand nine. Okay. So, so like, yeah. he's
2: he's probably in the you know deep dark world of.
0: Yeah, that's what. He, so in in two thousand five, he released a documentary called Aliens of the Deep. And then the next thing he does is Avatar, which took took a long time to make. And then the next two things up are Avatar: The Way of Water and Avatar Three, slated to slated to come out this year and next year, right? This year, yeah, no, this year and then 2024. But it's yeah. But um yeah, I mean that one it, it's such a cool moment. I want to give an honor can I can I give yeah, an honorable course. mention? Yeah I have one too. Uh, the the film premiering at Sundance is really cool. It's cool and the the few times we get to see Vince's actual work I mean we see the opening credits of Queen's Boulevard here. we see the Aquaman when the the movie goes out we see yeah. the awful soccer scene in uh, <laughs> in, in Median and like and stuff like that and it's it's a cool. It's one of the reasons especially like guys of a certain age or people of a certain age like this show it's like it gives us the background because like majority of us are never gonna go to Sundance and see a movie premiere and like know that you know hey Jim you know James Cameron's here and he's but he's seeing this he's seeing Ryan Gosling's movie he's you know seeing uh, James Franco's movie and stuff like that We only hear about that. On back you know oh this movie you know we we still hear this movie got a standing ovation at sundance or this movie got then purchased by you know like when palm springs got purchased by netflix after sundance i think or toronto like that was a big deal this that actually brings us on the on the inside we see the nerves from from Vinny and especially billy and we see like (laughs) what a you know what a sundance premiere is like and that's a it's a cool kind of insider thing it's one of those things that brought us into the the movie world a little bit like pulled the curtain back
2: and it gave us a peek into what Sundance is looks like where it is I, i'm assuming when i was 17 and i would heard of Sundance the film festival but couldn't have pointed out on a map couldn't have told you what it's all about and it really is where like indie movies go to like gain life or like to yeah. have money breathed into them and uh, careers are made so it's a, i think it's a little corporate now and i mean i haven't been but like, you know I, I know a couple people out here who have gone, and it's just you know like any other like big corporate marketing publicity event where you kind of do the rounds now. But the Sundance that we see on screen, the two thousand five Sundance is very low key, very like couple banners along the main drag there in Park City, and uh, you know a couple lines outside of theaters. But we'll we'll talk about that. Um, I do want to give an honorable mention for a favorite moment, and it's just a moment, but it's drama in turtles' faces when Cassidy takes both of their hands. And leads them upstairs to their bunked bedroom. These expressions, I was, uh, I was crying, laughing in the other room, and it made me so happy because I'm still so glad the show can make me laugh so hard. It's like top tier acting from Jerry. Very early in the show, he's very young, and then obviously Kevin Dillon is just an incredible facial feature actor. It's, it's, it's iconic.
0: Yeah, it's really, really good. The, and not to, not to step on a, a category in a, in a few minutes, but like. I the the drama and turtle pursuit of Cassie the whole time. I'm like, this is you know, and and like knowing what happens, but the payoff is so good and so it's funny so that yeah. it makes it all worth it.
2: 100. percent Real quick, are you a bottom bunk or a top bunk guy?
0: Uh, bottom bunk. Don't like don't like climbing. Don't like heights.
2: 30 second story. We like went up to Mammoth a year ago. I think this was like lockdown central, and we just like tased the lawn on a like you know uh, sister in law had a house up there. And she's like, hey, you and your wife can come, but you'll have to take the room with the bunk bed. It's the only room we got left. And I was like, no problem. And we got in the room and I said to my first wife, I want the top bunk. It's been years since I've been in the top bunk. And boy, was that a giant mistake because climbing up and down a bunk bed... To go to the bathroom, to it was it was a fucking nightmare, brutal. And I'm yeah glad I don't sleep in a bunk bed anymore. That's the story.
0: <laughs> yeah, and in, in high school for a period, like early in high school, I had the the classic like bunk bed but futon combo. Yeah. You know, I was cool, and I would say I spent ninety five percent of my nights just on the futon down below because of the the laziness of climbing. Can I can I transition this into my favorite bros being bros moment? Do it. Hey, and remember, I'm hosting, so I, I will. To- <laughs> <laughs> I know
2: this. Kyle can't even take the day off from from a no, dude. Please, absolutely. No, we, well, What's we, your favorite? We've,
0: we've got, got the, the perfect Brogan. transition. It's the fighting over beds when you get to the house. I don't get why we have to share one.
1: Seriously, I mean, I need my own space to operate. Yo, guys, E found the movie. E gets his own room. But you can attack this gift basket if you stop complaining. Ah, multiple sidekicks, eBay baby. Yeah, what do I get? In Palm Springs, I had a king-size bet all to myself. Yeah, he tried to bang a bunch of senior citizens, but he's a non-closer. Oh, you slay me, E. Drama, one more complaint out of you and you're not getting those two tickets I scored to the Alejandro What's-His-Name screening. Tiva, the Spanish Spielberg. Yeah. Thank you, I thought that they were sold out. You know what, fuck all you guys. When I score this guy's Matador movie next year, I'm gonna get my own condo. So, well, let's go check out all quarters. shit me
0: bottom i'm literally coming off a golf weekend where we stayed in a place with multiple beds and there was kind of a you know the situation of figuring it out and they get to the cabin and they're they're arguing over who's getting the bed and obviously turtle and drama is bringing the least <laughs> of the group gets shuffled into the bunk bed room which like as is tradition on a dude's trip like the the dudes with the least pull end up in the in the shittiest situation. And like that for me, I was like, that's a bro east. That's just it's perfect.
2: A hundred percent. And it's never clear, they never state drama's actual age, but like I think Turtle's supposed to be like young twenties in this show. So if drama's like nearing 40 like just imagine that being in your young 20s and having to share a bunt bedroom with like
0: an old guy who probably has sleep sleep apnea like with your friend's older brother it's like going (laughs) to a bachelor party and it's you and all your friends but like the guy's older brother is there too in something and he's like not like it's just it's exactly like that 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 was it for me
2: my favorite bros being bros moment is the interplay between turtle and drama over cassidy the back and forth after she has her little, like, love is love and it's bitter than friendship and, like, or no, no, friendship's bitter than love and, like, why would you do this to your friend who you love and blah, 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 and they looked at each other. and She's right.
1: This is crazy. What are we fighting for? This girl's gonna be gone by tomorrow. By tomorrow night, she'll be a memory. And we gotta spend every week and minute together. So what do you want to do? I want the memory. So do I. Fuck you. Fuck me, fuck you. I said it first. Now, this
2: encapsulates perfectly to me men, their short attention spans when it comes to women, but also their short attention spans when it comes to grudges. Because Kyle, I don't know about you, but like, you know, I grew up playing on teams, groups of guys, whatever, friends. If we're ever competing for the same woman and one of us won, whether it was me or my other buddy, the next day it's all forgotten.
0: Or even like both of you win at different different times. It's still like, it's still usually whatever.
2: Yeah, and, and that type of drama is what, like, shatters female friend groups. It's what, like, causes irrevocable, like, levels, deep levels of damage. But, like, guys just shred it off Does that's just... You just got to chalk
0: that up to the game, baby. Yeah, it, it's... I mean, that's guys being dudes. What
2: was your least favorite moment of this week's episode?
0: So I will say it's the drama and turtle pursuit of Cassie all the way up until we get the good payoff with it. But at the same time... <laughs> Because typically, a lot of the times in the show, drama and turtle only end up with a woman after she has she knows that she is not in the market for Vince. Like there's the classic episode where turtle literally has to tell the girl, look around. Vince is gone and you're stuck with me. But it seems like, it seems like Cassie is entertaining these two guys. This is what you want the last hookup of yours to be before you go to the Peace Corps. It's like old Ash Johnny drama with his canceled TV show and Vincent Chase's hanger on like you're, you're in Sundance. There's a million actors everywhere. Like you, I mean, hold out for something better. Like, just drive them around, and like, you're gonna be at all these premieres and stuff like that. Just like, wave to wait. Like, yeah, literally throw a snowball. James James Franco is premiering a movie there. That means Dave Franco is around there somewhere. (laughs) Like, not that famous yet.
2: 2005. You know, Dave Franco is like probably in middle school. But yeah, that's hilarious. I love that. Fair point. My least favorite moments. Is Ari being a douchebag to Peter Dinklage?
1: We all loved you in the station agent, Peter. Fucking hope so. That's why I signed on a few people. Uh, well, if you were to sign on earlier, we could have slipped you into Bad Santa. Actually, I passed on that, though. So thank you. You're one of the biggest actors in this town, Peter. What is that? A play on words or something, dickhead? I tolerate agents. I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like it's a little out of character. Like Ari's, you know, Ary can be a douchebag to people, but like he is straight up bullying Dinklage. For no reason. It's like this weird dick-waving contest. And then, as we know, Dinklage goes on to be the main character in the biggest television show of the century. So seeing him taking it from Ari for a second at the bar, and he eventually, you know, you know, punches back. But I just didn't love it. I, and, like, Ari's, like, leering at him with, like a, like, a cocky grin on his face. I'm like, man, Dinklage was a lot taller. He punched you in the fucking face, which is why Ari's doing it, because he can't.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing to think about is 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 probably assuming that Peter Dinklage took some shit like that on his way up. 100%. I I would, I would 100% imagine and now there's not a single powerful person in Hollywood who would dare speak to Peter Dinklage that way
2: or speak about him that way. And, yeah. a man, and you know, Hollywood power players are some of the most insecure, thin-skinned, douchebag dickheads on the planet. They they see like a, someone smaller than them and they punch down. So like, you're right. In this scene in 2022, dinklage has his own private area and like ari's going there begging to speak to him
0: you're uh, in this in this version of of how this plays out ari is no longer working with peter dinklage for 400%. sure for sure peter dinklage has moved on to different representation um you're you're right that that landed really weird really uncomfortable
2: and like not uncomfortable i'm like oh no he's picking on a mm. little person it's just more like he's really saying this to peter dinklage right now i mean again we didn't have the 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 foresight at the time but uh now that we have the hindsight, it's it's just interesting. What would you say was the most entourage moment of this episode?
0: For me, it's it, it's the same thing as my favorite moment, the Aquaman on getting getting Aquaman, because like we always love when the industry type stuff happens that we would never be privy to. We like the show because it's a bunch of guys just with a lot more money and status than us but it's like oh these are how this is how we would be and like we would you know we would love to go smoke weed with val kilmer and his, you know the weird and the sherpa as the sherpa and stuff like that but like the the moments that like stick out are the really the vince's doing the movie moments like when they land something big and that's what this this was like an automatic to me this is a this is an entourage moment it's that or it's it's getting off the plane this place is sweet what, the airport? No, the film
1: festival, bro. Take it all in. The first film festival only half its months, man. I let my first one pass me by. Barely remember a thing. What was that first festival again, John? Because we barely remember it either. Palm Springs International, 93. I was the toast of the town. I thought I told you guys about this. So fuck Palm Springs. Did they have six inches of fresh powder over there? No, but they did have a sandstorm that nearly blew Bob Hope off the podium. I hear the slopes out here are insane. Uh-huh. Give me a break. Anywhere you can ski in short sleeves is for pussies. I mean, they got no ice out here. Well, who wants to ski on ice? Men, eh? Men who like speed. I'm with drama. There's nothing like the possibility of a good head-on collision. I mean, if you could ski 100 miles, you could ski anywhere. Yeah. Well, first of all, we're boarding, not skiing. Second of all, you guys have been on boards twice. One of those times was in the store when we were testing them out. Uh-oh, sounds like a challenge. Tell you what, I'll put up a G for the first man down the hill. Unless, of course, I win, then you all have to walk home barefoot like in the old days.
0: I'm in. I'm I'm in. in. What's
1: Sundance without the spirit of competition? I'm in.
0: Getting off the plane felt very, like, you know, the boys, they're the first ones off, which means they were at least in first class. Like, it's, it's a very, it's, for me, like, entourage moments are stuff that you and your friends don't usually get to do. 100%.
2: 100%. Uh, the walking and talking scene getting off the plane at Salt Lake City. Or I don't know where they are, actually, but it doesn't matter. Uh, that's one of them. The mountaintop scene. I've got one for you, though, that when you think about it, it's the most entourage of this entire show, of this entire episode, sorry. So Ian e and Vince uh, have glasses of wine in their hands, and they're walking through their, uh, you know, paid-for condo in Sundance. And the conversation goes something like this. Vinny goes, how many times do we see Alien in high school? I mean, it's James Hammer. Guy made a movie, what, every 10 years? And he goes, I can't keep telling you to take these crazy chances. This is your life. Vince goes, this is our life. Don't forget that. So come on. You want to roll the dice? And then they clink glasses, and the two naked girls in the hot tub beckon them in. That is 100% the most entourage moment.
0: It's also the most Vince shit ever, because Vince's whole character thing is like, ah, come on. <laughs> like, he's like... Vince Vince would honestly be a nightmare at a bachelor party <laughs> yeah. because he's the one guy who's like, guys, come on, let's get in the car with this random guy who's yeah. going to drive us to this great club. What's the worst that could happen? Come oh, on. Oh, my God. He'd be like walking up and down the Veda
2: Strip and like some rando, you know, promoter barker guy would be like, guys, follow me down this alley. i got a great club for you. And Vince would just follow him. And you'd be like, dude, what are you doing? You know that that's you know you're about to get robbed or something
0: like yeah, that. yeah and vince is the one in a million guy that that works out for but everyone yep. has a friend who thinks they're a vince that like everything's gonna work out and just nothing ever works out
2: and of course you know spoiler alert everything works out in this scenario but it's just that moment where like they have a very safe play a three million dollar offer to go to a surfing movie in australia and they're like fuck it let's torpedo that deal that we just made and like roll the dice and you know surprise surprise
0: entourage comes through the thing about that like torpedoing that deal is the person they're torpedoing it torpedoing it with is notorious for blackballing people directly (laughs) out of hollywood so like if james cameron decides that he liked ryan gosling's movie more which like he probably should have like vince vince just does commercials like he gets katherine heigl way out of hollywood 100 percent.
1: how many times did we see aliens in high school what are we doing we're playing it safe. Yeah, since when do we do that? Since you got yourself millions in overhead. James Cameron. This is once in a lifetime. I mean, guy makes a movie every 10 years. I know, I'm with you. But I can't keep telling you to take these crazy chances. This is your life. It's not mine to fuck around with. This is our life. Don't forget that, all right? I need you acting from your gut. That's why I have you here. What if he doesn't like Queens Boulevard? So we'll do another commercial. Maybe, maybe Cassie will help us sell Pepsi to the Sudanese. <laughs> Come on. You want to roll the dice? Yeah, I want to roll the dice. Good. Let's roll the dice. Should I call Laurie right now?
0: Hey, are you guys gonna yap all night? Are we gonna party?
1: We'll see him at
2: breakfast. So we'll see. <laughs> a lot of good lines and quotes from this episode. I want to start. I, I know you have some. I want to start though, because upon rewatching this, I watched it a couple times and. It's amazing, because I, I now live in Palm Springs, Kyle, and Palm Springs gets some strays. <laughs>
0: like, Palm Springs catches one real tough.
2: <laughs> like a couple, like, they're walking down the runway, and they're like, what movie festival did you do drama? And he's like, Palm Springs International, 93, I was the toast of the town. Turtle goes, fuck Palm Springs, did they have 20 inches of fresh powder? Drama goes, no, but they did have a sandstorm that nearly blew Bob Hope off the podium. We did sandstorms here. <laughs> Every evening, and I live one block from
0: Bob Hope Drive. It's like
2: not—it's not even funny how close to home this hit.
0: <laughs> it it really—they came—they came right for your for your town there.
2: And then later, when they're talking about the bed situation, uh, drama goes in Palm Springs. I had a teen sized bed all to myself, and he goes, "Yeah, he tried to bane some senior citizens, but he was a non-closer." <laughs> I resent it because it's so true. I'm surrounded by old people. I'm one of the youngest people in my neighborhood.
0: <laughs> the the drama roasts were really the best. Quotes of this episode for me, this actually isn't like it doesn't have many of those classic Entourage lines yeah. that you get to see. It's probably the one, the one shortcoming. Like for me, it was uh, Billy Walsh saying his mom hated it, but she's a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, good little, good little Walsh moment in this that
2: he's he's uh, used just enough because you know he can be a little bit too much in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh turtle after the threesome. Uh, Come on, Drama, don't be a dick,
1: bro. Don't touch me, turtle. I can't hear you, I can't see you. I don't even want to know you. You're yelling, all right? What's your problem, Drama? You and Drama had a little incident. What kind of incident? Don't fucking say it, man. No, no, say it. (sighs) We accidentally crossed swords. Ew. Really? (laughs) Are there any women there, at least? (laughs) yeah dick it was a threesome okay it's no biggie crossing is an occupational
0: hazard and drama the it, the the facial or the physical acting by kevin dylan in that point because he's got the glasses on he's so disheveled he's like <laughs> looking he's looking around like the cops are gonna come get him for doing this he's just so uncomfortable just a, a really great like great way to back up that quote
2: oh and all the good lines come from turtle and drama kind of unsurprisingly most weeks it's usually turtle drama or ari that ha- carry the way to the best quotes but they meet Tassie for the first time, and Turbo goes, Those are some lucky Sudanese. That's called
1: Sudanese,
2: jackass.
0: Actually, it's Sudanese, but with your accent, I'll let it slide.
2: It's both of them trying to like, sound smart and just sounding dumber and dumber as the scene goes on.
0: There was a uh, there was one James Cameron line I liked where a face wow. in the a face in the crowd asked him was sinking the, sh- yeah. the was the sinking of the ship an attempt to foreshadow the forthcoming sinking of the tech market in two thousand and James Cameron goes uh, no actually I just wanted to make young girls cry. Cameron's
2: <laughs> <laughs> great in this. We'll talk more about Cameron oh, yeah. as we as we move. Uh, best song uh, we do have a playlist out there. Oh yeah oh yeah music I think it's on Spotify. I Haven't updated it in two years but. One of these songs is on it, but before I, I dive into mine, what, what do you got, Kyle?
0: Honorable mention, like there is a Kanye song playing at yep. one point in the episode. But "Want to Know" by Obi Trice is listen. I played a ton of Fight Night Round Three. That's yep. actually what I should have said I was doing in in two thousand five. <laughs> I was playing a ton of ton of MVP Baseball, ton of Fight Night, and uh, that song is in Fight Night, and it's on all the time, and it, it's cool that it bookends this episode too. It's like yep. it's asking you to to make it the best song in this one. Uh,
2: yeah. it's undeniable. There's no other choice. Obi Trice, big part of my, again, I was a little older than you, so like Obi Trice, D twelve, those early Eminem albums, those pretty much defined me as a young man. And um it was good to, good to hear them. I think most, if not half of the members of D twelve and Obi Trice are uh dead, sadly. The song you're thinking about uh, that features Kanye is called Move Around by Bump J. It's when they're pulling the red Escalade into downtown Park City. And then one more honorable mention for Passing Me By by the Far Side. It's playing in the background of the Sundance after party thing. Uh, All these songs can be found on that Spotify playlist. I will put a link to it in the show notes. Best celebrity cameo. I think there really is only one.
0: I I have two and then an honorable mention. Go ahead. So an honorable mention, I like this person actually technically is not in the episode, but when they're uh, walking in the airport and seeing, they're looking at all the signs cause they're looking for one being held for Jim's C- Jim Cameron. There's someone holding it up for Adrian Brody who at the time was just wow. like coming off an Oscar win. And now I love Adrian Brody so much. Anytime he pops up between like succession, the Wes Anderson movies, like I just big, big on Adrian Brody. So that, that is one of the great
2: performances, and, Pat Riley in winning time yes, from this past yes. uh,
0: summer as well. A, a, excellent in winning time um there, there's two other cameos really there's the dinklage one sure and then are, are we calling james cameron a cameo or are we i think we have to at least for the framework of this episode this is
2: incredible this took this show to a completely another level and i think it was jerry ferrara when i had him on the pod years ago who was like when we got cameron we knew that like the show was going to another level. That to him was his favorite cameo out of the hundreds and hundreds of cameos the show has had because it meant they had like arrived. So Dud Allen wrote in James Cameron as the director of this fake Aquaman simply because one of the post-production supervisors, Janice on Entourage, had previously worked on projects with Cameron. But then she saw the script and was like, wait, what are you doing? And he was like, now go get him. He originally had planned for the the movie, the Aquaman movie, to be a complete bomb at the box office, but at the end of season two, Dodd Ellen received a letter from James Cameron who wrote how Aquaman could not be a bomb. Ellen then said it was really great to see how seriously Cameron took that role. So, Kyle, even in the fictional world of Entourage, with at the time the ridiculous premise of an Aquaman movie
0: as a vehicle for Vince James Cameron refused to be associated with a bad movie listen man big Jim does one thing and that's print cash (laughs) Jim Cameron you can take that man to the bank I don't know if Avatar 2 is going to be good it's going to make a shit ton of money.
2: 100%. It's going to make a billion dollars just out of people's morbid curiosity.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I was IMAX midnight premiere for yeah. Avatar in 2009, and I unfortunately was sitting in the front row, and it was a horrible experience. Oh, it was, Jesus. It was, it, the last last seats available was before reserved seating. It was tough, tough, tough.
2: I was, like, seeing an environmentalist chick. She was, like, a hostess of the restaurant. I was seeing, and I, like, took her there because I'd heard it was Fern Gully, you know, on, on steroids, and ended up working out for
0: her for JR. Little did you know, it was actually just Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it, was, it was Pocahontas. But yeah, big Jim. And I mean, you know, not to like overstep into, you know, the entire scope of the series of Entourage. I, I think it's an excellent decision that Aquaman is good. And then the thing, the passion project doesn't work out versus Aqu- versus Aquaman not working out. Because if Aquaman doesn't work out, it's I don't think Vince ever. I think it's the the Taylor Kitsch thing, where it's yeah. like you've got a big vehicle that has to do well, and it you you got your first one. If your first one doesn't work, you you don't often get a second one. If you've proven that you can do something, because at this point Vince has had Head On, which is like you know seems to have done decently. Queens Boulevard is like a good art film, but if if you can't land on your feet the first time that a studio's investing a ton of money in you like yeah you know, like, toby mcguire's career is probably way different if he doesn't you know if, if spider-man doesn't work out
2: well he struggles and vince would have to struggle vince would struggle mm. for the first three four seasons of the show i don't know how fresh they can make that i don't know like how much failure someone can see on screen before they go we ever didn't see this guy become a star now you've seen shows especially on like let's say a network like showtime where like the person who's trying to do it together continuously fails at doing that. And then it continues for 11 seasons. And then eventually you just kind of like walked away from the show as a viewer. Mm-hmm. I don't care about this anymore. So mm-hmm. absolutely agreed. Great call. Making Vince a star with Aquaman. I don't know if I asked you to look for a worst celebrity cameo, but oh, you did. So who do you have?
0: Uh Again, this person wasn't in it, but it catches a stray. Josh Hartnett catches a stray in this one. He does. And, and I will say that one, if, if you watch it now you're just like oh hey, that's that's a name I haven't heard in years yep. like so that that would probably be it's not as you know like Josh Hartnett being attached to a huge project you're like oh yeah you're right that was the thing early you know in the mid2000s no motor stills for Mr Hartnet no, um, tough
2: I mean he Black Hawk down was what year 2004
0: no that was like that wasn't it was between 99 2001 I think. Oh, it was I think 11, it, was it was before. Uh I think it was before Pearl Harbor. 2001. 2001. So did yeah, just, the, did, did Pearl Harbor and Black Hawk Down come out the same year? When did Pearl Harbor come out? 2001. So if Pearl Harbor hits big and it, that's an actually good movie, Josh Hart might have been the biggest person like biggest star on the planet. Yep.
2: Cuz Black Absolutely. Hawk Down
0: was Black Hawk Down was a big hit and that's an excellent movie.
2: 100%. Did you get a look at the Queens Boulevard poster? No. They show it for about a half second if you pause it. It's got the cast of Queens Boulevard on it.
0: No, and who who's the the, the second lead is Ethan Supley, isn't it? At
2: one point it is, but on this poster,
0: he's not there. Like, later posters show Ethan Supley. So,
2: like, again, this is just kind of that continuity thing that we've talked about before where, like, things fall through the cracks. But here's the cast of uh, Queens Boulevard as the poster at Sundance reads. Vinny Chase, Katie Holmes, who at the time is... Right there with Batman Begins, Zoe Deschanel, who I feel like is like you know, young, this is like a supporting actress role, like doesn't, hasn't done Nude Girl, maybe was in um, uh, Elf at that point.
0: Yeah, I think Elf is 04, it's it's pre 500 days of summer as well. Yep,
2: yep. Kelly Pruder, who's an actress from uh, The Young and the Restless. The King, Robert Duvall, who we just spoke about. I know.
0: Bob, great to, great to see Bob.
2: We just talked about him on a big screen sports episode that we did about Hustle about two weeks ago. Go check that out if you guys haven't had a chance. That was a really fun conversation that we had oh. about Sandler's best basketball movie. Great movie. And then one other name that, like, upon glancing, you're like, oh, I don't know who that is. See, the actor Luis Lombardi. And so I had to doodle him. Who's Luis Lombardi? Luis Lombardi is an actor, like a working Hollywood actor who's on The Sopranos. But he, more importantly, plays Drama and Vince's cousin Ronnie in the show Entourage. So this is a weird world where, that's like... a
0: very meta, meta thing. I, man, I wonder how that works. So Cousin <laughs> cousin Ronnie is the, the Sandy Koufax guy. Correct.
2: Right? He, that's not until season four he drags Turtle and Drama to that auction for that... Sandy Koufax. He pops up again at the end of season five, and so
0: he's he's around. He's got maybe
2: three or four cameos throughout the course of the show.
0: That is that is inter- I wonder. It's like a chicken or the egg thing. I wonder yep. what 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 kind of came first there.
2: Yeah. Did he? Did cousin Ronnie watch Queens Boulevard and think to himself, "That actor looks a lot like me."
0: Yeah. I should. <laughs> these I should aren't have real been.
2: questions, by the way. We know that none of this lines so up. Just throwing <laughs> it out there. All right. I have two new categories coming up. This first one, and these are both kind of like. Kind of, we'll take them on an episode by episode basis. So, this first one is called "The Best Perk of Being Famous." So that's whether it's swag, VIP access, maybe it's a car or something. Anything jump out at
0: you for like, best perk of being famous for Vinny and the boys this episode? A combo uh cabin and the driver. The cabin is sick. Love a good like, good mountain cabin. Yeah, it's comped. It's got a lot of it. Just wood. It's got a lot of great looking fixtures. Nice. and That having a personal driver is just, I mean, inc- incredible stuff. You know, some would say that's a nice touch. That it's the best <laughs> touch, the nicest <laughs> touch of, of, of having, a, having a personal driver. But for me, if I had to pick one, it'd be the cabin. Because getting like yep. a comped cabin for a sick, like for a great weekend, like clearly got a nice hot tub situation out there. Some nice robes. I bet they didn't bring those robes. Yeah. Like 100%. it was a nice, nice cabin. What, what did you have? Uh, I think it would be Jen and Corinne, the publicists. <laughs> that, was, that was a great perk. That, that, was, that was an ideal perk. They didn't really have to work for that. Yep.
2: Um, next question, and this is along those lines, and this won't pertain to every female character that's on the show, but, you know, week to week on Entourage, we have kind of like a flavor of the week or Vince or E's like you know, new hot item. So this category is called marriage material. Is the girl of the week marriage material or not? And I think the candidate for this has to be Cassie because she has the most like screen presence. So I thought we could just debate this really quick. Like she seems like a real wholesome girl from Southern California, from Pasadena. She's literally going to the Peace courts to help with the Sudan. (laughs) Kyle's going thumbs down. She is also willing to sleep with both Turtle and Johnny Drama within 36 hours of meeting them.
0: (laughs) That's the thing. Poor, poor field vision. So you're like like at five awareness rating if you're at Sundance Film Festival and you're like yeah these two guys like both of them seem yep. like a, seem like a good play for me the, I'm sure listen I'm sure the Peace Corps does a lot of good work too but it sounds like she's trying to figure out who she is um you know hopefully she she does her two years she comes back with a better sense of her own value and realizing <laughs> that like listen because let's see So she, in two years when she gets out, Johnny's on 5 Towns. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, you know, look at look at that and she can use that story. She's like, yeah, it was this one thing and Crazy you know, I had a lot Night in of Park fun. City. Yeah, Crazy Night in Park City, but you know what? I I value myself now and I have better taste than like those two fucking idiots. So, <laughs> right now, no. Cassie's not Cassie's not married. She's young too. Like that's the thing. Cat, like strikes me as around 20-ish. Yeah. Maybe this category shouldn't be marriage material, but like like keeper. Well, n- no, because there are. I mean, there are women who highlight episodes where you can like really like. We go back to this a script in the Sherp episode, one that we did way back in the early run. Sure. The the heavily like vegan, healthy woman that sure. Vince is dating. Like, there are some arguments that that's marriage material. Like, yoga yeah. instructor, incredibly, you know, healthy. Like, yeah, independence. Yep. Yeah, a- exactly. Like, so there, there's some, there's certainly some arguments that some of the um you know some of the the female partners you meet on the show are like yeah like i mean we talk i mean we talk about the end the last season like alice eve like listen
2: vince Vince (laughs) drops everything to marry her which he listen (laughs) wouldn't we all (laughs) (laughs) which ironically the actor agent grenier just did something very similar in his own personal life like not shotgun wedding it's not the actual term but like real bang bang wedding to a woman that he just met like eight months ago and they got married uh, in uh africa india somewhere like that i need to i need to look it up on the uh, life
0: imitates art baby 100
2: percent. yeah how would this
0: episode be
2: different today and i don't want to do like oh so-and-so would be canceled for doing this just like if it was the same plot how would it be different
0: i mean you know call a spade a spade here the Harvey Weingard is one of the most yeah. canceled people in America now. Yeah. But you could, you could sub him out with any sort of foul-tempered Hollywood exec that they sure. cross over. You wanted a job for
1: Vince and now you fuck me! Do you know who I am? You're going to beg to get back into the pizza business. He's trying to do what's... Ah, fuck you! You and that fucking kid! The two of you are about to go down a river as shit! You hear me? That's it! You're finished! I will never offer that kid a fucking job again!
0: Aaron Gold's gonna catch a snack too! <laughs> Fucking Harvey. <laughs> that part doesn't really change. That that goes, because I mean, that that's a huge thing in every up and coming star's career, trying to figure out the right projects. Like, there are actors, like, this decision for Vince is a make or break decision. Yep. if he makes the wrong choice with this if if cameron doesn't give him the movie after he turns down this movie from from harvey weingard or if aquaman bombs vince's career goes completely like completely the, the wrong direction so like this is actually a great plot of like you finally made it to where you've got some choice some great choices but you've got to you got to figure out the right one so i think that plot hangs it's like what what do you like what kind of movie do you think like is it a superhero movie because those even now they're guaranteed to do really well but it's not like i don't know it's not like guaranteed to like jason momoa i don't think is getting you know is getting lined up for other parts because because of aquaman you know what i'm saying like because he's not i think with a lot of these it's like because superhero i'm trying to formulate this this thought because superhero movies are all doing so well and a lot of them involve a big gang of characters in this you know grand plot like dc was forming the justice league thing obviously sure. marvel just went on this big run like very few of those are straight up character, single character driven mm-hmm. so it, it's like right now what what movie is that right now especially because all the big superheroes are taken I was about to say,
2: it's not a movie. It's a miniseries. It's like Vince would star in the Disney Plus or FX adaptation of insert best-selling crime novel where he's a detective or a killer on the run. Or just something where it's like a showcase where he is on camera 80% of the time and he's got a movie a film director directing him in like eight episodes.
0: Yeah. It's pre-existing IP of some kind that is going to have a lot of hype behind it. Exactly. Kind of a can't lose thing where
2: it has a built in audience and all he has to do is just like be the best actor he can be.
0: Or like the West side story remake, like something like that where it's like a major director, like a Spielberg or something like that. Spielberg, Scorsese. Yeah. It might be that it might be the next direct, like, it could be a James Cameron movie, but like that might be the thing is the, the director behind it. Because now like every time Scorsese does something, especially cause like, we're, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of the road there. It's like killers of the flower moon is coming out If Vince was side by side with Leo in killers of the flower moon. Like that's, that's a huge role, 100%. Um, something like that. Or Spielberg's got, I, I think the movie that Spielberg is doing next is something about like his parents divorce that's directly right yeah. or something like that so um yeah if if he's in something like that where it's going to have a lot of hype behind it or it's pre-existing ip all
2: right let's move on to faces in the crowd we haven't done this one in a while this is you know people who aren't yet famous or just recognizable actors or actresses that are in the background of this week's episode and there's really only one it's uh chrissy metz from this is us she's the movie theater concession girls you mentioned her earlier she kind of badgers james cameron about titanic one more question mr cameron oh was the sinking of the ship an attempt to foreshadow the forthcoming sinking of the tech market in 2000? Uh, no. Actually, I just wanted to make young girls cry. Um, can I get some of the Sour Patch Kids? She's been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and she's for Emmys and Golden Globe. She's also
0: the lead singer of her band, Chrissy and the Vapors. Like Massive, massive star. Does Chrissy Metz have more money than almost every actor in this show? <laughs>
2: yeah, she's a broadcast star. I mean... Ne-
0: Network, TV- Network TV stars... Bank. Well, drama. I guess drama's on table though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in real life, just all the actors of Entourage is Chris. Oh, oh you Metz mean the actor? I thought you meant in this. Sorry. No. I you yeah. Meant- is is Chrissy Metz doing better? Yes. Because I I know they they all banked a lot from Entourage, but it's it's been kind of yeah you know. But network TV money is like you know, and everyone seems to love This Is Us.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So- I've never seen it actually.
0: I have not and I have but I like I mentioned I had, I went on this like golf trip weekend with my friends and like a couple of my buddies were like oh this is us so great. I was flabbergasted. They didn't seem like the type but um yeah, Chrissy Metz doing doing great. It's funny that the two actors doing with the highest profile I think now in 2022 are Chrissy Metz and Peter Dinklage from this episode.
2: Yeah, and they're sidelined here and that's mm-hmm. just why this is such a fun thing to revisit because mm-hmm. it's looking back to 2005 17 years ago i mean those were, those were paychecks for both of them right oh, yeah. i mean dinklage was kind of like a walked on tamio thing but he literally had done the Stacey a- agent and not much else so like
0: definitely a glow up for both of them and very cuz a lot of the times these you'll watch an episode of Entourage and you'll see like the cameos they pull in. And it's someone who's really not that big anymore. Like the, the famous Chuck Liddell one, it's like yeah. Chuck Liddell and Polly Shore. You haven't seen either of those guys in five years for the most part with this. It's like, that's Peter Dinklish. Like it's, it's not often that the cameo and I know we're talking about the faces in the crowd, but it's not often that the cameo that that person has skyrocketed. Cause usually yeah. they were trying to get people who were, very famous at the time and it's it's interesting that peter dinklage and just in less than 10 years really surpassed all of everyone on entourage
2: it's funny how the cameos and entourage worked because over the course of eight seasons like they start small and obviously we're on video right now but then mm-hmm. it like it starts to, to creep and creep and creep higher and higher like to a mountaintop and i think the apex is like
0: matt damon and lebron james in the same scene I mean the the Matt Damon thing is it still it still fucking kills me like I'll, I'll watch the, the the voice the the voicemails he's leaving him it might be the funniest like the funniest single minute in Entourage
2: but then they start to like they don't start to peter off but the show just like gets like it kind of goes off the rails with the Tameos they start to patch like five or six in every episode towards the end of the show with turtle and all of his different businesses at some points he has like five or six different professional athletes rappers actors and actresses just like hanging at vince's house and while i'm sure that's probably more in line with how it is in hollywood it just takes all the credibility and believability out of the show it just doesn't it doesn't convince me that all those people were there at that time you know i agree make them try avion
0: i think it also it that's when entourage being on entourage turned into a big deal versus hey we're trying to make this show a big deal you know we need to get these people on it kind of the the shoe flipped and it's like no oh i was on an episode of Entourage. that's like when ballers came out it was kind of building on entourage and it was just like this cool thing to be like, oh yeah i was on an episode of ballers episode of ballers and, and stuff like that so that's why i think the cameos in the early seasons work a little better they're just a little more random and, and sporadic like running into these people as opposed to
2: and they're a nice surprise like yes. they, they do they genuinely surprise you which is yes. which is great stay tuned for me and tyles ballers podcast it'll come out late 2023
0: john listen I, i'll talk about john david washington anytime <laughs> guy's great
2: Speaking of ballers, let's talk about the Sixth Man Award. What actor or actress comes off the bench, or what character comes off the bench and just, you know, lights it up. I personally, you know, for as the horrible of a person as he portrays, I think it, it can only be Harvey Weingart.
1: Uh, doesn't look like a good shit. Hey, hey, give me one of those towels, you okay? get Harvey, right? Yeah. I'm Eric Murphy. I represent Vincent Chase. Harvey Gold represents Vincent Chase. Oh, i his agent. I'm his manager. Tell me something. The manager's agents? What the hell is the difference between you guys? Our managers are the ones who care. <laughs> 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 That's good. I like that. you yeah, serious, are <laughs> you?
0: It's an incredible performance, and especially knowing what we know now about cuz that's that's another thing about this show this show was very in on the Harvey Weinstein fucking sucks like yep. th- this this isn't made out of admiration for Harvey Weinstein they <laughs> they they make him look terrible not nearly as terrible as he actually ended up being but it was a very it's clearly it was clearly common knowledge to everyone in the show two things everyone making the show this guy had a lot of power this guy is a fucking monster <laughs> and the, the it's, it's a great performance like we see him then um and then later at the at the medien screening and some some other times but i i want to give one shout out to you kind of mentioned that billy walsh is better in in spurts this is one of my favorite this Perfect. is my favorite thing when they, they sprinkle him in and I I much like him better as nervous, manic Billy versus like Medi Ian jacked up with power Billy. And I think, remember correctly, they played it off like Billy was on drugs or something. Like Billy got strung out or something during that whole downfall. But like this heavy nerves Billy was the best. I Had a dream last night. People hated it. They tore me and you to pieces. I shaved my head. I'm a fucking
1: mess. I'm sure it's great. You showing it to anybody? Me, my editor, and my mother. Yeah, what'd your mother think? She thought it was garbage. She's a fucking moron.
2: The delivery of that line, it's so deadpan. He's so serious. Then, of course, after he introduces the movie, uh, Scott Wick turns to him and says, you made a four-hour fucking movie? And he goes, this is my fucking deer hunter, Wick, (laughs) which is so, like, like film nerdy. That's exactly what, like, an indie director would say. He's like, this is my deer hunter.
0: Oh, and uh, if
1: anybody got to use the can, the movie's running almost four hours, so do it now. Thank you. (laughs) Four-hour movie. This is my fucking deer hunter
2: Quickly back to Harvey Weingart. the actor, Maury Chayton, Canadian actor. His whole career is made up of like really good bit character parts. He had a really nice like film run early in his career. He was a computer programmer in War Games. He was famously which I think he did this episode recently Sam Tipton from My Cousin Benny
0: My Cousin He's he's the grits guy No self-respecting southerner uses instant grits
1: Uh, Do you remember what you had?
0: Eggs and grits
1: Eggs and grits I like grits too How do you cook your grits? You like them regular, creamy or al dente?
0: Just regular I guess
1: Regular Instant grits? No self-respecting southerner uses instant grits I take pride in my grits. So, Mr. Tipton, how could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes?
2: Small but pivotal role in the 1990 movie Dances with Wolves, and sadly, he died in 2010 at the age of 61 as a result of heart failure. I think it was actually Jerry Ferraro who tweeted a really nice story about him in response to something that I put up about the harvey character going crazy or something like that so I feel inclined twitter search jerry Ferrar, maury chaykin he's got a nice little story there okay um we're rounding the curve here last couple categories this is a good one favorite johnny drama moment there are too many to pick i'm gonna start with the alejandro screaming and the
0: questions that that is beg just begging for the you know the begging and the showing
1: hey, you up there Great film. Congratulations. Very powerful stuff, Alejandro. I notice you use a lot of authentic people in films. Authentic people are so much better than cartoons or robots. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one, drama. me dickhead. Okay, next. Oh, wait, wait. I'm not finished. It's only one question per person, sir. That wasn't a question. That was a statement. It sounded like a question to me. Uh, this is a question. In two parts. Are you interested in seeing any films while you're here, Alejandro? And would you ever consider an American with some Chilean blood in him for the part of Raul and the bullfighter? I would consider anyone who would bring truth to the role. Good, because I'm the sixth lead in Queens Boulevard, and I would be delighted if you would be my guest.
0: Mine are all relate to Alejandro because then you get the payoff of he's at the Queens Boulevard uh screening and he says the thing about like you know you said that line with such angst and he goes thank you Alejandro I do have an abundance of that <laughs> four hours
1: long that cut me on the whole fucking movie but the line you spoke was delivered with such angst Johnny thank you Alejandro I do have an abundance of that
2: Johnny drama like experiencing anxiety and having panic attacks in a time period when that wasn't, like, very recognized and or, like, accepted is pretty ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. Johnny Drama, mental health advocate.
0: <laughs> that that would probably be, if we go back to how would this plot be different, there would be more. And just in general, there would be more. You know, everyone's a psychiatrist now in yep. 2022. There would be more people talking about, like, man, drama dramas anxiety is through the roof all the time like there would be much more much more openness and talking about that versus like oh drama's just mad all the time it's like (laughs) no he's actually one of the most anxious people you've ever met like his his entire life is being nervous and asking for movie parts (laughs) fear of rejection which is his entire career
2: (laughs) like
0: yeah the um the director now reminds me the aura about him and like the the fact that he's hispanic it reminds me i wonder if it was supposed to be like kind of an homage to um uh, alfonso curan yeah that's uh,
2: what i was saying was saying. yeah yeah. and
0: then um inaritu who did birdman and uh and the revenant great movie to rewatch on a sunny
2: sunday afternoon the revenant (laughs) the the
0: (laughs) the revenant is a movie i really don't think i'm ever going to watch again I also love economic anxiety drama when they walk into that party. and goes, "Yo, you think this is a cash bar?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is, I forgot to mention this at the top. Like, if we go back, these guys are in heavy debt right now. They just bought Mm -hmm. a mansion. They just bought sharks. They've been spending, and all Vince has to show is, like, he did a $500,000 Chinese energy drink commercial for it. So, like, they need cash flow badly. So, you know, maybe drama, if you're there... Make sure they have a, make sure it's not a cash bar.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good, the thing is too, you say they just bought a mansion, they just bought all these bikes, (laughs) Vince just bought all this stuff and drama's, drama's down the totem pole of like, I wonder if all this money that baby bro gives me is going to, is going to dry up.
2: What's your favorite Ari moment from this week? It's a pretty reserved performance from Piven this week. It doesn't have any of those, like, iconic meltdowns or
0: rants. Like, he's kind of hustling pretty hard for Vince, but... I I mean, I'd have the same thing. It's more of a subdued episode for Ari standards. I like like the acting when... um when he has to when he has to come clean and tell Vince that James Cameron isn't just coming to see him the yeah. you know he's going you know i i tell you what's important or something like that and mm-hmm. i kind of wanted your opinion do you think that he's being truthful with that like does does he think that James Cameron is more in on Vince than um than he was letting on there just because he wants him to take this role or is he really like hey this is a big toss up
2: it's funny cuz i looked at the show now watching it and i and i wonder like Who really has Vince's best interests at heart. And it really is only E and Turtle. Mm -hmm. And like even drama in a way like kind of uses Vince for like his own personal Dane. But I think that Ari genuinely just wants Vince to take the safe bet. The $3 million paycheck. Pays off his debts. gets him on a movie screen again. And like can continue the train rolling for Ari. And like it makes sense from Ari's perspective like. Really, you want to roll the dice on your four-hour indie flit that the biggest movie director in the world said he might come see? Like, doesn't strike me as, like, a very Ari move. And so, like, I don't really blame Ari. Now, I don't love that he was dishonest with Vince, but that's also kind of just part of the job. Everyone shields Vince from everything, if you think Mm. about it.
0: Vince is very sheltered.
2: I've said this before, but in rewatching the show so many times, you don't realize how much bad news is never delivered to Vince. It's always... Like, he literally, after uh, Harvey blows up at E! in the lobby of the film, he sits down and Vince goes, what Harvey's saying? He said, oh, he said, no you know, no worries and good luck. Yeah, why would you tell him that like, this guy fucking hates you and wants to kill you now? That would just cause... You know vince to have his own set of problems
0: there's a lot of information it's kind of like state tv like vince is fed what he needs to know exactly on a a very need to know basis so tapping the source is an unbelievable opportunity for you whoa
1: james cameron flew all the way here just to see me and you just want to blow it off what ari what? what is he? What are you hyperventilating? No, I. What is it, the altitude? No, no, no. You call paramedics? What's wrong with he you? He didn't just come to see you. Well, who else did he come to see? He came to see Ryan Gosling's got a movie here, James Franco. There's a lot of guys that have movies here, but you know what? You are on a short list for Aquaman, but you're still on a list. Do you ever tell the truth, Ari? I tell the parts that matter, and I, I didn't think this would come up. This is meant to be, Vinny, I am telling you, and it's right there for us. Should I tell Harvey yes or just hold on, Ari? All right, no problem. All right, just take give you... me a fucking second. All right, to take think. your time, baby. E, what are you hearing about the Gosling and Franco movies? Are they good? I hear that they're great. I hear that every movie at Sundance is the best movie that was ever made. I don't know. Well, you know, it sounds like the safe move, Vince. Mean, what do you want to say? It's
0: the only move.
1: Okay, fine. Tell Harvey no fucking speed ups. There you go, baby. Men at work, the land down under. We're going to get drunk with Russell Crowe and we're going to headbutt some goddamn kangaroos.
0: I, I thought that moment was just really good by Piven. I would guess that, again, like going back to just favor, like Ari, say, Ari saying, say hello to James Cameron. Yeah, like It's so a good. good moment. Good, Yeah,
2: moment. 100%. Um, at the end of that, uh, that scene you were talking about, he does say like, there you go, baby. Men at work, the land down under. We're going go to go get drunk with Russell Crowe and headbutt some goddamn kangaroos. I think if he would have added like, outback and fosters beer he would have named every single thing that is associated with australia at that time yeah he
0: said shrimp on the shrimp on the <laughs> yeah. And i also like that that implies that he's going to australia meaning he's <laughs> gonna have to tell mrs ari i'm going to australia to just watch vince in this movie although i believe he goes to columbia to watch he does get made.
2: he does he goes to rescue median let's oh. let's be honest yeah and then last it's, it's a really quick line it's Vinny meets his publicists. And Ari comes over and throws his arms around Vinny and does Hi girls, nice to
1: see you find real work, Vinny. I need you, come here. <laughs>
2: Which is pretty funny given what we kind of know about publicists and what their jobs are. It's just it made me laugh because it's it's very kind of accurate and true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Last two questions. So who besides Vince won this episode? And let's be honest, Vince wins like pretty big time in this episode. It's oh, like yeah. probably one of the biggest Vince wins uh, of the entire run of the show.
0: I think this is this is an E win yeah. because E is throwing out the alley oop to Vince, or you know the basically from the speech that you referenced by the hot tub of like I think you know I think we should go for the the James Cameron movie. I I think it's an E. I I think I do think it's an E win. I think it's a great drama episode. It's like a it's like a really good Kevin Dillon episode. But I think E wins.
2: I completely agree. He discovers the Queens Boulevard script. Gives the you know the green light on on Billy Walsh. The episode, this episode that we watched today, it confirms that it's a critical, critical darling at Sundance. And then his one and only client, his best friend, just gets offered to be in a superhero movie before superhero movies became a thing. It's a really small moment, but when they're on the top of that mountain, Vinny turns to the guys and goes, James Tamron just offered me Aquaman. And they all cheer, and Turtle turns to E and goes, good job, E. That's what it is. Like, it's all E's mm-hmm. doing. The only reason they're on the top of that mountain, literally and
0: figuratively, is because of E. E wins the episode because one of the things the show does really well is dives into and i think like kevin Connolly plays this off well is there's a little bit of imposter syndrome with these. He's always questioning himself you know am i am i the one who should be doing this for vince like there you know there are he he often suggests like i think we need to get someone else or, or something like that and this is it's very validating because like while Vince is the star, he wants to be more than just a hanger on. Like he wants to contribute like turtle and turtle and drama are fine. Just taking Vince's money. Sure. He e wants to contribute and actually wants this to be a success and wants it just as bad. Probably even like wants it even more than Vince does. And, and him making this happen is a real culmination of what we've seen, you know, the first season and a half, really team E all the way.
2: Last question, Kyle, was this an a list B-list or D-list episode of Entourage.
0: This is A-list. This is one of the best Entourage episodes of all time.
2: 100%. You said it was one of your top five. I'd say it's probably one of my top five or six. It's it's just right up there on the Mount Rushmore. It's also like in the middle of a hot streak of iconic episodes. This is immediately followed by Comic-Con and the Bot Mitzvah episode. They just did. My Maserati does 185 and mm-hmm. the Playboy Mansion episode. Things dip towards the end of the season a little bit. They have the Mandy Moore and Sidon plots, but then... Season 3, the the ship writes pretty quickly. One day in the valley and Ari didn't fire and all that good stuff. So if you're new to this podcast for some reason, go back and listen to all of those episodes that I did with a real cast of characters. Kyle was on, I think, once or twice a season for a bunch of old episodes. Just scroll back in your feed. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me on the second inaugural episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. You are a good friend to me, a bit inspiration for why I keep doing this. And a great podcaster. Where can the people uh, listen to you, find you, follow you?
0: So after you finish listening to this, Big Screen Sports will have a new episode out. Every Monday, we're talking sports movies. We're talking other movies. Like we're doing Men in Black this month because it's the nice. 25th anniversary. Um, yeah, just breaking them down. What was realistic? What wasn't? A lot of good stuff. Good cast of characters there. Go back, listen to uh, to me and JR's episode, Talking Hustle, if you haven't seen Hustle on Netflix yet. Um, definitely worth your time. Uh, if you're a baseball fan from Phenom to the Farm, that's an interview series with former professional baseball players kind of talking about their journey from amateur ball to the professional ranks. It's brought to you by Baseball America comes out uh, every other Tuesday. Most recent episode will be with Chris Colabello, uh, former former big leaguer, played seven years in indie ball. Really cool story there. Um, and yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. And if you want to support big screen sports, go to Patreon S- support content creators like me and Jr. And JR, again, like, I'm so happy the show's back. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I I love doing this. I love a reason to watch Entourage while I'm eating lunch at work. Like, it's just, I'm so pumped you're back. I'm excited to, I think, I think, I think the best is only to come. I think you got a lot of fun episodes coming up with, with what, with the kind of the path Entourage goes down.
2: 100%. Don't forget to tune in next week. We've got tree trippers coming up. The Joshua tree mushroom episode. I haven't recorded it yet, but I've got something really, really special in mind. Kyle, thanks again, and baby bros, we'll catch you next Monday.